We just got done with a six-week um, series on the sower. And the whole gist of, of that parable, which Jesus says, if you can understand this parable, you can understand how all parables, is how the kingdom of God operates, how God's kingdom operates. And we've seen that it's as, a, as if you would sow seed into the ground. Right, And, we, and we, what we learned was that the seed is the word of God. The seed represents the word of God. And who is the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. So it's just not about taking any word that's in the Bible and sowing it into your life. It's about getting understanding, getting revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what that means to you. And sowing that into your heart, and it will produce fruit, a crop. It will produce in your life. And we, what we found out was that the seed has everything in it that it needs to produce. In an acorn, in that acorn, the entire oak tree exists. That oak tree doesn't need anything more than what's in that acorn. That's amazing to think. And in the promises of God, in the word of God, it has the power to produce the fruit in your life. But the only thing that can hinder the seed is what? The ground that it's planted in. And we've seen that the ground, there was four types of ground. There was the wayside, there was the stony ground, there was the weedy ground, and then there was good ground. And that's our part. Our part is to make sure that our hearts, the ground, is good so that the seed can produce. And we found out that the whole point of this whole parable was to see how the kingdom of God works. And the point is, is what? God wants you to be fruitful. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to have eternal life. Eternal life. See, eternal life is now. Do you know that you're living in eternal life right now? If you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you are living in eternal life right now. So why not enjoy it? See, we think that Christianity is just about being in a waiting room. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and now I'm just waiting for one day I'll go to heaven. No. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is now. We're living in God's kingdom right now. We're supposed to rule and reign in God's kingdom right now. And how do we do that? Through the Word of God and through what Jesus Christ has done for us. When you're born again, what happens? When you're born again, the Bible says you're a new creation, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Right? So what is that talking about? Because I remember when I was born again, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, the next day I didn't really feel like everything was brand new. Sure, there was, a, there was a new joy in me. There, there, there was a, a load that was lifted off my shoulders. But, you know, I still had some thoughts that, you know, weren't very godly. I still looked the same in the mirror. So what changed in me? If the Bible says you're a new creation, old things pass away, all things become new, either the Bible's wrong or I, don't understand, I didn't understand what changed. You see, what, I, I, what I've come to learn to realize is that we're a triune being. You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. Your soul is made up of what? 
Your mind, will, emotions, your consciousness. Your body is your meat suit, right? You need a meat suit to live on earth. That's why Jesus came in the flesh, right? You need a meat suit to live on earth. So, and then you have a spirit so that when you're born again, your spirit is what is recreated. Your spirit becomes just like God. Your spirit becomes just like Jesus. The Bible says that as he is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. In your spirit, that's where the new creation happens. But our job is to get what God has done in our spirit into our hearts through the word of God. The transformation, the renewing of our minds. We have to transform our minds, our hearts, our soul. The way you think, the way you operate, the way that you see the world has to change and to line up with how God sees it. You can be a carnal Christian. There's lots of them. Sometimes, some mornings, I'm a carnal I wake up and I'm a carnal Christian where I'm controlled by my flesh, where I'm controlled by my five physical senses, where I'm controlled with the wisdom and the logic of men rather than of God. Right? That doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Your spirit's born again. You can go through this whole life never experiencing the promises of God, never experiencing what God has for you right here and now, and still go to heaven. You know, it, 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 it's kind of like uh, the... Uh, a young man that, that sold everything that he had to get a, on a cruise ship to come to America. He sold everything he had, gave all his, got rid of everything he had, took all the money he had, and bought a ticket to get on a cruise ship to come to America for a new life. And he got on the cruise ship, and they started heading across the ocean, and all he had was a some sardines, and some crackers. And every time it was dinner time, he would go to his little room and he'd eat his sardines and crackers. And every time he went to his room to eat his sardine and crackers, he went by the dining hall. And he went by the dining hall and he's looking in the dining hall and he sees all these people just eating food. And he thought, how wonderful would it be to be in that dining hall? And so he's, they finally pull into port, and the young man is getting ready to get off, and, and one of the stewards of the ship stops the young man, and he says, can I ask you a question? He says, I've been watching you this whole journey, and I noticed that you never joined us in the dining hall to eat. He says, when, what did you eat? When, where did you eat? And, he go, and the young man says, well, sir, it took all the money that I had just to buy the ticket for this, for this trip. And I did not have money to go into the dining hall. And the steward looked at the young man and shook his head and said, Son, don't you understand that the dining hall was included in the price of the ticket? There are so many Christians that go through life not understanding that the promises of God were included in the ticket, were included in what Christ has done for them. And they're trying to live life through their own strength. They're trying to live life through their own ability rather than faith in the grace of God and their life. And that's what we have to renew our minds to this morning. We have to renew our minds to this. 
In Revel, or Romans, Revelation. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is God's will? We, we just learned, learned it. Jesus told us the parable of the sower. What is God's will? That you have, be fruitful, Right? That you prosper, that you have success. God is 100% for you. The cross screams that God is for you and not against you. You know, all other religions is about man trying to kill themselves to please God. But the gospel declares that God is a God that lays down his life for us. It's 180 degrees different. And this is saying, do not be conformed. And that word conformed means to be pressed into a mold. The world tries to press us into a mold. They want us to be, all of us to look the same, dress the same, think the same. And God says, do not be conformed. Do not be pressed into that mold, but be transformed. And that word in the Greek for transformed is meta, metamorphi or whatever. It's, it's the word that we get, the metamorphosis where a caterpillar goes from being a caterpillar into a butterfly. See, true freedom comes through God. People think that, that being a Christian and, 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 lay, and giving your life to Jesus is the opposite of freedom, but it's actually, you're actually wrong. You think that you can, going out and living your life any way you want is freedom, but it actually becomes bondage. It becomes bondage. We become bondage to alcohol. We become bondage to lust. We become bondage to, to um, rage and anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, selfishness, greed. Humanity is slaves to sin. But God says, I give you choice. You have a free choice. You can choose to trust me. You can choose to do it my way. You can choose to be transformed. You have the freedom to live in my kingdom. And that's what we're going to be studying here in the next couple weeks. This is, just, this is just a foundation that we're going to be building today. But we're going to look at how do we transform our mind into the things of God. Here's a shocker for you. You don't need more of God. You don't need more of God. See, this just shows you how our minds have not been renewed to the Word of God. See, religion teaches you that everything that you need is outside of you. Religion tries to get you to beg, plead, do enough penance, do enough good deeds, do enough work. And then God will answer your prayers. Right? You don't need more of God. God needs more of you. In Christ Jesus, he has given us all things. If you're in Christ Jesus, you have all things. The Ephesians says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything we could ask or hope for, according to the power in you. 
See, when you're born again, your spirit, the spirit of God, you become the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we don't need any more God. Because you're, you've been in union with God. You are one with God. Right? You're in Christ Jesus. We are part of the family. Jesus became a human, right? A man. He was raised from the dead as what? A resurrected man. At the right hand of God is a man. And you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You don't need more of God. God needs more of you. He needs you to renew your mind to what you already have in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, is, this is Paul writing. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. See, Paul did not <clears throat> minister to these believers directly. The church of Colossae was actually um, started by Epaphras, and uh, Epaphras was uh, Epaphras was uh, became a disciple, became a Christian in Ephesus under the ministry of Paul. So he's writing to the church of Colossae, saying how much he struggle, he's struggling for them, and what he's doing is he's praying for them. He's wanting them to come to, the, as we're going to see, into the full knowledge of their inheritance in Christ. And he's praying for them, and, and they haven't even seen him by faith, by faith. So he's not the father of this church. He's the grandfather of this church. And it goes on to say, it goes on to say, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. What do we... Now, I'm gonna, you're going to have to think. We go back to the sower, right? And it says that the, they don't have understanding of the word of God and immediately, what? The birds of the air come and steal the word from them. See... It all ties together in here. Attaining to the wealth that comes from a full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul wanted to make sure that they had understanding of what they had in the mystery of God. And what is the mystery of God? The mystery is no longer a mystery anymore. The mystery is Christ. It was a mystery throughout the Old Testament. But it's no longer a mystery anymore. And he wants the, the church of, of Colossae, the Colossians, to understand, have understanding and assurance of what is theirs in Christ Jesus. You need to acknowledge what you already, what is already given to you. You need to acknowledge. He wanted them to acknowledge this. Acknowledge. What does acknowledge mean? It means to accept, to admit, and own the existence or truth of something. Express or display gratitude for or appreciation of. Are we that way 
on the promises of God? Do we, do we accept it? Do we, express, uh, to, do we own it? Do we express gratitude for it? The opposite of, of, of acknowledge means to reject, deny, ignore, and overlook. In your daily life, in church, you know, you might accept it. But in your daily life, are you rejecting, ignoring the truths of who you are in Christ Jesus? Because this is to be lived out. It's one thing to give a religious nod to the treasures that are ours in Christ, but, but to understand it and to move on to acknowledgement of it in our daily lives is how we live in the kingdom of God. If you want to be fruitful, if you want to be blessed, if you want to experience the promises of God being manifest in your life, if you want to be a peculiar people, you must acknowledge it in your daily life. First, we must establish that the foundation to everything we believe is rooted in the Word of God. The Word of God must become first authority in your life. And how can the Word of God become authority in your life if you don't know what the Word of God says? This goes back to the sower. Sowing the Word of God in your life. Next, we must start the process of renewing our minds, renewing our thought process to those truths. So the first thing you have to do is you have to Decide that the Word of God is going to be final authority in my life. After that, you have to start the process of renewing your minds to think the way that God thinks, to see yourself the way that God sees you, to see the world and see others the way that God sees them. Paul literally says, we, we no longer see anyone in the flesh. We see them in Christ Jesus. Right? So it's hard to get mad at somebody. It's hard to hold a grudge against somebody. It's hard to have unforgiveness towards somebody if you see them in Jesus. We don't need to pray for God to change our hearts. We sing songs, give me a clean heart, O God. We don't need our hearts. We don't need a new heart. We need a new mind. We need to pray to have God change our minds the way that we think. The battle is in your mind. You didn't become this way overnight. Do you know that? The, the way that you think right now, the way that you interpret the world, the way that you see God did not happen overnight. It's years of years of years of seeds being sown into your, into your heart and producing thoughts that produce actions. Where you are today are, are thoughts that happened yesterday. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks within himself... So he is. That word, that, that phrase there, thinks within himself, it literally means reckons in his soul. The way that he reckons in his soul, the way, that, the way that he interprets life in his soul is the way that he is. You are where you are today because that's the way you reckon in your heart. That's the way you see yourself in, the, in your heart. That's the way you see the world in your heart. That's the way you see your future in, in your heart. That's how you are. The way you think produces what you do. The way you think produces what you do. Your philosophy today will produce your tomorrow. 
Your philosophy on life, your philosophy on God, your philosophy on, on other people, your, your marriage, your kids, your finances, your health, all that will produce your tomorrow. Philosophy. See, when you use the word philosophy, a lot of people start thinking about Plato or Aristotle and, and, these, and these so-called great minds. But whether you know it or not, you have a philosophy. Each one of you in here has a philosophy on life. Philosophy is, in the simplest form, is a system of thought or way of thinking. You have a system of thought. You have a way of thinking. You have a way that you interpret the world. You have a filter that filters everything through, the, through that thought process. I can say... I'll, I'll use I'll use a example, um, something that I personally had to get over with, and I've shared this before, but it works for this. My wife would go to the closet and say, "I don't have nothing to wear," and that would cause me to get angry. Why? Because I had a filter, and that filter caused me to think, I'm not a good enough provider. It wasn't that she didn't have clothes in the closet. See, she, she was just saying, it was kind of like, I don't know what to wear, or I don't know why she, they say that. But I filtered that because I had a poor philosophy. I filtered that as I'm not a good provider. And it caused an argument. If my philosophy was based on God, there was nothing to get mad about. Because I seen myself as a provider. I seen myself as, as the one that brings in the bread. And so I'm thinking, I'm doing everything I can do, and it's not good enough for you. And this, is, this isn't the way she was thinking at all, but this is how you interpret. In a millisecond, you're thinking this way. But if I had a philosophy of God, and I really thought that she was talking about not having anything to wear, I would have said, you know what, honey? We have a great God Let's grab hands. Let's believe God. God, we, need, we want some new clothes. You are our provider. You provide us with all good things. You, you clothe the lilies of the fields. You feed the, the uh, birds of the air. We're trusting you for some new clothes. But that's not my philosophy. That wasn't my philosophy then. My philosophy was if we need it, I need to do something to get it. Philosophy is a system of thought or way of thinking. You know, it's interesting that the Bible says nowhere in there about theology. There's no, the word theology is not in the Bible. The word theology is, is a way of thinking about God. See, what we do, what, what, what men do, is they, they separate philosophy, thoughts about life, from God, theology. The Bible does use the word philosophy. See, God doesn't separate himself from the natural. See, we think that there's spiritual and there's natural and there's a big divide between them and they don't come in contact. That the natural's evil and the spiritual's good and they don't 
God can't look upon sin. Yeah, the Bible says that God cannot look on sin, but the very next sentence says, but why, but why do you keep do, looking, doing it? See, that's man's interpretation, that, that sin is God's kryptonite. No, God's right in the middle of sin, bringing his grace, his mercy, the, his goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. See, philosophy is the way that we interpret the world, and your philosophy should include your theology. As a Christian, your philosophy should include your theology. The way that you see the world should be filtered through the word of God. The way that you live your life should be filtered through the word of God. The way that you see yourself should be filtered through the word of God. There isn't a separation between philosophy and theology. It's one and the same thing. See, an optimist and a pessimist both have a philosophy. Two kids wanted to go see their grandma. They wanted to go to grandma's house because she always has cookies. And they wanted to go to grandma's house. And they said, Ma, can we go to the grandma's house? Can we go to the grandma's house? And she goes, well, if there's enough gas in the tank, we'll go to grandma's house. One kid comes in with his head down low and says, oh, we can't go to grandma's house. There's only a half a tank. The other kid comes in the house excited and says, Ma, grab your hat and your coat. We're going to grandma's house. We got a half a tank of gas. See, both an optimist and a pessimist, you can be facing this same situation, but because of your philosophy, the way that you see life, the way that you see yourself, the way that you see God, it will produce two extremely different results in your life. See, your mind and the way that you think controls everything in your life. Being secure. Being secure or insecure is a system of thinking, of thoughts. See, you, you, you're right now you're thinking, well, Chad, that's just not my personality. I don't have that type of personality. You don't want to know something? That's, that's psychology. That's man's system of believing. See, you're right. You don't have that personality. You know why? Because dead people don't have a personality. You died in Christ. Stop using man's science and verbiage to get out of what God's called you to do. You don't have a personality. Dead people don't have a personality. We died in Christ, and now we live in Christ. You have the personality of Christ. You have the personality of God. You have the fruit of the Spirit. That's who you are. Every person in here has a philosophy, a philosophy and a different approach on life. You, either, you are either looking at things as I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or you're looking at things I can't do anything. I'm a loser. I'm no good. You know, it, 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 it permeates everything we say, everything we do. You know, life, life can be going good. Life can be going good, and you're saying, you know, life's going so good, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for something bad to happen. It can't keep going like this. Or then when things happen bad, well, I knew sooner or later it was going to happen. Sooner or later, something bad was going to happen. See, that's all a thought process. 
You're believing that sooner or later bad things are going to ha- happen, and then we get upset when they happen. What do you mean? You've been, you've been believing for it for the last two months, and then it happens, and all of a sudden, it's a big surprise. The flu season's coming. <laughs> so you start thinking, I'm going to get the flu. Right? Do you believe you are a sinner? See, this is a thought process. Do you believe you're a sinner? Because if you're a sinner, if you believe that you're a sinner, guess what you're going to do? I can't hear you. Sin. I never get mad at sinners for sinning. Why? Because that's what they do. Sinners sin. You should never be mad at a sinner for sinning. Do you believe that you are a sinner saved by grace? If you believe that you're a sinner saved by grace, that means that God had mercy on your sinfulness. He saved you, but you're still what? A sinner. You're saved, but you're still a sinner. So what do sinners do? Sin. See, this is a way of thinking. Do you believe you are a new creation born of God, righteous and holy? (laughs) Do you believe that you are born again, a new creation, the Spirit of God lives within you, and that in Christ Jesus you are righteous and holy? So what will you do? Live righteously and live holy. And I think we got that, the idea of what righteous living and holy living looks like. I think that's all religiousized up. It doesn't mean living in a monastery or or giving up marriage, or anything like that. It, li- it literally means to, to realize that because of what Christ has done, you have been put in right standing with God. You have been separated from the world, from sin, death, and the grave, and put, been put in Christ so you're holy, and you live in union with God. You live in union with God. I mean, G- Jesus committed assault and battery. Premeditated. He sat there and he, 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 he made his own whip. And he went into the money changers and flipped them over and was whipping them. Today that would be assault and battery. You know, he called, he called the religious leaders of that day, your, 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 your sons, sons of serpents, vipers, you brood of vipers, you sons, sons of serpents. You know, basically you're saying your, your mother was a snake. We have a phrase that we use nowadays too. See, we just think religiously. Our mind is not conformed to the things of God. That it's not about the things you do, it's about your union with God. And when you understand your union with God, it affects the things you do. When you see yourself as who you are in Christ Jesus, it affects you. It affects your life. It affects your future. By his stripes I am healed. Lots of us believe that. The Word of God says it, that He bore our sicknesses, He carried our diseases, and by His stripes we were healed. And that's a truth. And we might quote it, we might believe it, that this is a truth. Do you think like a healed person, though? Do you think like a healed person, or do you have a philosophy of a sick person? Because we can believe a truth. 
But if we don't acknowledge it, we don't understand it, we don't embrace it, we don't appreciate it, it's no good. It hasn't produced in your life. It's not growing up in you. Do you see yourself as the sick who needs to be healed? Most of us don't ever think about by his stripes we're healed until we're sick. By his stripes I am healed. So I don't get sick. Do you have a mindset, a philosophy of a sick person? That's just not sick yet. Or a healed person. Do you see yourself sick, who, the sick who needs to be healed, or do you see yourself as the healed that Satan is trying to steal their healing from? It's flu season after all. It's going around. See, this is a philosophy. There's big money in philo- this philosophy. I mean, they put the uh, medication things, on, the pharmaceutical commercials on TV, and they named every single symptom in the world. There's got to be one of them on there. They're getting you to think. They're getting you to embrace a way of sickness and disease. Do you think that you have to be sick sooner or later? Sooner or later, you're going to be sick in your life someday. Sooner or later, I'm going to be sick. See, that's a philosophy of thinking, that sooner or later, I'm going to be sick. It's a philosophy of men. It's a philosophy of the fall. It's a philosophy of the curse. It's a philosophy of death. Or do you... Boldly say, I'll never be sick another day in my life. See, every time I say that, people go, ooh, you better not say that, Chad. You better not say that when we're not going to have rain. It will not rain when we have our edge of summer event out there. You better never say, I'll never be sick another day in my life. I'll never be poor a day in my life. The reason why I say that, the reason I can say that is because I have a philosophy of life. I have a philosophy. You've got to get to a place where you'll say, I'm never going to be sick a day in my life. This church has been going for five years. You haven't seen me sick. I've had opportunities. I've been, Satan's tried to make me sick. But I don't give it any right because by his stripes I was healed. The greater one lives within me. And some of you might be sitting here thinking, no, this guy's nuts. Well, go ahead. Stock up on NyQuil. Get ready for the flu. And I'll, live, I'll believe the way that I believe. God is for you. He's not against you. God has delivered us. He has rescued us. Have, have you cha- changed your philosophy, philosophy from the sick that needs to be healed or to the healed? I am healed. I am, I am the one. I am one healed person. You see yourself healed. I will never be sick another day in my life. I see myself healed. Why? Just because positive thinking gives you good results? No, because 
Jesus Christ bore your sicknesses. He carried your diseases. He delivered you from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. You are blessed. Do you see yourself that way? Have you renewed your mind to this? How about this? Prosperity. Some people believe in prosperity. Some people are, 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 know some basic truths about prosperity. And some people are generous. And, and some people even give. But do you see yourself as poor? See, this is a philosophy. This is a way that you see yourself in life. This is so, some of us will go out and will buy the cheapest thing possible. The cheapest tool, the cheapest whatever. Why? Because you have a mindset of being poor. I, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I can't afford the good thing. And what happens is we'll go out, let's say, let's say we buy a tool. We go to Harbor Freight and we buy a tool. And it's a tool that we're going to use all the time. It's a tool that we need for our livelihood. But we go there, why? Because it's cheap. And, I, and, and if you're never going to use it, if you're only going to use it once, then fine, get a cheap tool. But we'll go to Harbor Freight and we'll buy a cheap tool and a month later it bends, it breaks, it, it's no longer working. So we'll go to Harbor Freight and buy a cheap tool and it after a month, it bends, it breaks, it, it no longer works. And then after a month, we go and buy another tool. We could have bought the one good tool and been done with it. But we do it because of our mindset that we have. We'll, we'll drive, we'll waste a gallon of gas going across town to save a buck because it's 10 cents cheaper across town. I don't have time for that. We'll go to four different stores to buy different things because it's a dollar cheaper at these. I don't, that's, that's a mentality. That's a mentality that you have. That's a poverty mentality. It's one thing to be a good store. It's another thing to just waste your life chasing a dollar. We're so worried we're so worried. Do you see yourself as an angry person? Do you see yourself impatient? Do you see yourself as weak? Do you see yourself as incapable? Do you see yourself as ignorant? What is your philosophy? How do you see yourself? Because as a man thinks, so is he. Uh, is your philosophy filtered to the Word of God and what Jesus Christ has done? Or is your philosophy filtered through what your dad did to you? What the teacher said to you? What the bullies said? What the ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend said? What the government says about you? Most people don't even have hope anymore because their philosophy is so skewed. Their philosophy is so skewed. God's word reveals God's thoughts. Faith begins where the word of God where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. 
your trust, your ability to believe God begins where the will of God is known. And how do we know the will of God? Through the word of God. This is very, this is very basic, but we don't believe it. We don't haven't accepted it. We haven't applied it to our lives. If you are not filled with God's word, you cannot have God's philosophy on life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So how are we supposed to be living this life? In Christ Jesus. How did you receive Christ Jesus? By good works, by good deeds, by what? Faith. So how are we to walk in Christ? By faith. By a system of believing. A philosophy. Having been firmly rooted. I love that. I love when he, firmly rooted. You, you are rooted. And now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See, when you understand who you are in Christ, there is a gratitude, there's a thanksgiving, there's an appreciation, because we are built up, we're being established. How are we being established? By faith, through the way that we think, the way that we renew our minds. Verse 8, see to it. See to it in the King James, in the King Jimmy version, it says, beware. It's up to you to see to it. It's up to you to beware. Because we're in a battle. The battle of the mind, the way you think. You're either thinking the way of God, you are either being transformed into the image of Christ, or you're being conformed into the image of the world. It's your responsibility. We are at war. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of this world rather than according to Christ. See, there is truth. There is elementary principles in this earth. But you are in a different kingdom. You have a different spirit. You have a different Lord. We can filter everything through according through Christ and what he has done. Take you captive. Satan is look, looking to take you captive through a system of thinking. The way you think, the way you interpret life, your philosophy, Satan is looking to rob, kill, and destroy. He's looking to take you captive through your mind. Satan is looking to rob. He's looking to kill. He's looking to destroy you by expecting, expecting his philosophy in life rather than your God's philosophy. Satan's inroad to your life is through your thinking. Do you realize that? We're going to look at something here that's going to, is going to be a revelation to you. Satan's inroad to your life is through thinking. Satan can't make you do anything. Think about Adam and Eve. Look at Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Crafty, deceitful, deceptive. Why did Satan use the serpent? Why did he use a crafty animal? The King James says subtle. Why did he use that? Why, you know, we wouldn't have done that. We would have became a lion. We would have, we would have, we would have came as a, as a mammoth, or we would have came as a rhino, or something big and strong and scary. 
and force them to eat the fruit. But no, he came with deception. He came subtle. Why? Because he couldn't make Adam and Eve do anything. He had to change the way they thought. Satan has no power against you except deception, and that deception is fueled by ignorance. Ignorance to who you are in Christ. Ignorance to the promises of God. Ignorance to your authority and your your standing with God. Before Satan could get Adam and Eve to sin, he had to change the way they thought. Did God really say, you won't surely die? For he knows that when you eat of it, you will become like him, to know the difference between good and evil. He had to change the way that Adam and Eve seen God. He had to change them to start questioning God. He had to see God as someone that's hiding something from them, keeping something from them. He had to change their mind about God. He had to have mistrust between Adam and Eve and God. See, that's why the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in God, trusting God's way, do you, do you know that everything you do, everything you do that falls short from the glory of God is a failure to trust God, is a failure to believe God? Before you can get in error, before you can get in sin, before destruction comes, be, you must violate the truth of God's word. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Our minds, the way that we think, are you constantly thinking through the flesh, your five physical senses, on, on the philosophy of men, on the traditions of men? Are you thinking... Those thoughts are you thinking through the spirit of who you are in Christ Jesus. If there is failure in any area of your life, you are not applying the word of God and what it teaches in that area of your life. If you have failure in any area of your life, you have a wrong philosophy. You have a different philosophy than the word. You have a system of thinking that is contrary to who you are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. However, 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 you are not in the flesh but the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you this morning? If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are not in the flesh, but you are what? The Spirit. So you have life and peace. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, where is Christ? In you. If Christ is in you, through the bo- though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he, will, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. There was a time when your, spirit, your, your body was dead because of sin. 
But if the Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he will quicken, he will make your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. He will give life to your mortal body. Sin no longer has dominion over your body. And sin isn't just about talking about actions. It's talking about sin, the noun, falling short of what God intended, missing the mark. Sin, Jesus didn't wipe out sinful actions because we still sin. We still miss the mark in our actions. He wiped out sin, the noun, that we're no longer in sin. We are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer separated from God. We are in God. We are no longer controlled by sin, but we can be controlled by the Spirit. And that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, and he will make your Give life to your mortal bodies to the Spirit who dwells in you. Christians should be living totally different than the world. We should have a completely different philosophy on life. We can choose to renew our mind, change our system of thinking, and have God's philosophy, and the very Spirit that dwells in you will bring the new creation realities in your life, in your physical life. Your way of thinking determines who you are. The way that you think determines who you are, will determine your future. Some of us sitting here, you know, we see ourselves in the flesh. We see ourselves, well, my family's poor, we're always going to be poor. I'm just not very smart. (laughs) Well, you know, this disease, heart disease, runs in my family. You see yourself, you have a philosophy of life that is contrary to the Word of God. And you need to see yourself in your new family, in the family of God. You need to see yourself filled with the wisdom of God. Christ was made unto us what? Wisdom. It's a philosophy. The way that you think determines who you are. And this is just the foundation to the series that we're going to start. And uh, we're going to continue building on this idea, get, get deeper truths, get, get deeper understanding in the coming weeks. But through this, through this next week, I want you to really concentrate on your thoughts. Really, really pay attention to the, way, the things that you interpret, the way that you interpret things. And ask yourself, is that how Christ would act? Is that how Christ thinks? It, this worry, is God worrying about anything? Then why am I worrying about it? Start seeing yourself in Christ Jesus. Start seeing yourself and, and just start realizing how our thoughts do not line up with the philosophy of a new creation in Christ Jesus. Recognize that. And then the next thing I want you guys to do through this next week is notice the different doors that philosophies come through. The TV, the radio, commercials, newspapers, the news media, all these things that are trying to give you a a way of thinking, a thought process that is contrary to Christ. I tell you, I turn the radio off. They get going on those... uh, Pharmaceutical commercials, I turn the radio off. I don't even want to hear it. I don't want those thoughts to come into my mind. And you might think, well, that's a little extreme. Well, 
I need that. I remember coming to church one Sunday. It was Easter Sunday. And we're listening to a Christian radio program. And they, it's Easter. They had so much they could talk about. So much to celebrate. So much to be excited about. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about... Parents really need to be careful because during this time, a lot of people buy ducks and chickens and stuff for their, their kids for Easter, and uh, they can get salmonella or whatever, some, something. Is it salmonella? And they can get sick. They could get really sick and die. I'm thinking this is Easter Sunday, and they're wasting their time talking about this. How did, how did all these farm, farm kids ever make it? How they live? We become such wimps. I mean, they're, they're out there shoveling manure, and it's not bother, bothering them. And we're worried about having a little duck or a chick. It's a philosophy. We are so invaded with fear, anxiety, stress. And God did not create you to live this way. He created you to live free. In Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a good God. You think, we thank you that you love us. You love us so much that you became flesh and dwelt among us. You are the living word. You are the living word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, Father, we just thank you for the living word. And we thank you for the written word so that we can judge the living word and the written word to see so we can interpret Scripture. Father, right now, we just ask that you would, you would teach us, you would lead us through your spirit to recognize, to recognize the areas in our life where we have a way, a system of thinking, a philosophy that is of the world, that is of the flesh, and not of you. And as we recognize those areas in our life that we don't think the way that you think. The way that those areas that we don't see ourselves in Christ, but we see ourselves separate from you. We, I ask that you would give us a new thought. That you would bring to remembrance who we are in Christ. The promises of God that are, find their yes and their amen in Christ. That we would replace that philosophy with your philosophy. That we would replace those thoughts with your thoughts. That we would start walking in faith. Living in Christ. And that fruit would be produced in our life. That freedom would be produced in our life. That joy would be produced in our life. That, that peace would be produced in our life. That love would be produced in our life. Through the renewing of our minds. We thank you, we love you, and we look forward from going to glory to glory in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.